0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dragon Digest, the first one of the year, finally. Uh, We've been trying to get this going. Like, This is our third time trying to schedule it, but both times we schedule it before, it's had to be canceled because school's been canceled. So, good afternoon. I'm Jameson Fanning, your host. Right to my right, we have our co-host and audio man, uh, Ryan Wilbert. Say my name right. (laughs) Oh, boy. We are already starting this off amazingly. (laughs) Ryan Wilbert, the one and only, say hello. That's me, Uh, hi, I'm Ryan. All right, diagonally, we have our other co-host, Raymond Valentine. That's me, how's it going? And finally, our guest for this episode, the one, the only, Mr. Timothy
1: (laughs) Palunky! Oh, well, thank you for the great introduction. Good to be here.
0: Uh, sounds That's like a WWE like opening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really and in work. this corner, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how's it going today, Mr. Plonky? How are you? It's
1: great. We're on the eve of a potential snow day here come Friday. So, uh, Jameson is in my class, and we've been rearranging our plans accordingly. So, if we if we don't have a snow day, we're gonna have a good Friday. If we do have one, we're gonna have a great Friday.
0: Quote, unquote, good. <laughs> I would be fine not smelling any more of those bacteria for as long as I live.
1: They were smellier than I remember. Yeah, today <laughs> they <today> was stinky.
0: <laughs> All right, so if you could start off like, telling us a bit about yourself and like what you do here at the high school, that'd be amazing and wonderful. Cause uh, you're behind the mask poster right outside your door says just science department and nothing else. True.
1: Yeah. You know, I actually I, I find that funny because uh, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff for a lot of years, and I must have missed an email where it said, send back information. But, uh, I mean, after 20 years, so this is my 20th year of teaching. I hired in uh, Mrs. Manzo. So Mr. Manzo retired as a math teacher here a couple of years ago, and I went running across the gym floor of, uh, I think it was Oakland University, and I had a map of Lake Orion High School. And I said, I really want to teach at Lake Orion. And she said, why? I said, well, look at all of this natural area back behind the high school. So I knew that I wanted to be an earth science biology teacher, but not just anywhere, uh, somewhere where I could take the kids and get them involved in the outdoors. It was between here and Pinckney. And at the time, I thought maybe we might have a cottage up north, and this would be closer to up north than Pinckney so we gave it a whirl and my wife and i moved up here in 2002 and uh here i am uh it's it's been a a really great journey you know they say that a community or that great teachers uh, make a great school but i i don't think so i think it's the community and the and the students and the culture within the building that makes it easy for for teachers uh, to make a difference and so I, uh, I, I love teaching here. The community is great, and I prefer li- life and, and earth sciences because they're applicable and I can touch things. and <laughs> Yeah. So that's that's the teaching story. I have three, three kids. I have a junior. You're all age. Um, he is at Brother Rice High School. I have a freshman, also at Brother Rice, and I have a daughter at Clarkston. She's seventh grade. So I have three kids and a beautiful wife, Stephanie. Uh, she's Forty-three with me. Uh, we're forty-three years old, and we live in Ortonville on a little piece of land that has some beavers and eagles and osprey, and also I live surrounded by nature. So uh, that's my family life and my school life, and then recreationally, I love to travel. So. And if, we, if you want to know more about that, we can get into that later. But.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, earlier in class, you we were joking about how if we have a snow day Friday, you're already going to be like halfway to Florida. <laughs> well, that's true. I'm
1: spontaneous. I, I don't need much motivation <laughs> to do just about anything.
0: So uh, how did you decide that you wanted to go into like earth science and biology and like those specific sciences and just science in general?
1: Yeah, well, I, I've always been an outdoors person, hunting, fishing, camping, rock climbing. So in college I really got into traveling around and doing rock climbing. Uh, I was a biology major and then met Mrs. Polonki and she took me uh, and her students to a camp in Pinckney. it was when I was there that I, you know, working with, uh, I think they were third graders at the time. Mm, sounds doing, lovely. Doing pond studies. No, it was great. So it was a <laughs> camp that had been around since the 1920s, and the par- they rented it out, and the parents made the food, and the kids had to clean up. And uh, it was a really great experience, and I was a junior in college at the time. So I decided that I would graduate with my biology degree and then go back to school to get my master's degree. Uh, and I guess it was just a natural fit that we w- I would be interested in talking about all things outdoors because I like to spend time outdoors and whatnot. So mm.
0: fair enough, you know. Yeah. Do what you love.
1: Do what you love, and I do. That's true.
0: And then how'd you just get into like teaching?
1: Did I, you
0: like? Did you ever tutor? Or, like, did you ever like have to like teach other students because you were like better than them and they weren't like figuring stuff out? What What catapulted you into the teaching career?
1: Uh, it was definitely it was that experience. It was working with kids and then i had two summer jobs i worked at a museum and in down on lake erie and i had what was called the wet and wild cart and this wet and Wild what now yeah (laughs) wet and wild cart so for two years i was like a, a nature yeah I was a nature guy and i had this cart full of turtles and and reptiles and tadpoles and uh we would try to capture children on the way into the pool because really all day it was a hot summer day <laughs> would and, you like to reward uh, no i got it that it was the capture children <laughs> <laughs> we did we had to capture their interest before they jumped in the pool because really we needed numbers at the nature center and every kid that i came into contact with was a contact, you know, like uh, there was a lesson that was learned and they would hold a snake or they would touch a fish, or we'd talk about uh, adaptations to their environment. So I did that for two years. um, And that also reinforced just working with kids and uh, education. Mm.
0: Yeah, so like what specific classes like do you teach this year and do you like usually teach?
1: Uh, Usually AP, biology and earth science and geology. And I've taught just about everything except AP, Chem, and Honors Physics. I think pretty much everything else I've taught.
0: And which one's the best one? <laughs> I,
1: I love working with <laughs> the AP Bio Kids. Good, they, good they answer. Work, yeah, they, they work really hard, and, it, and I don't mind working really hard for them. And uh, it's a really good mutualistic relationship. Yeah, you, you said you were, you said you love like outdoorsy type things and hands-on things. Like what are some of your favorite things in your classes that you like doing that are outdoorsy or
0: more hands-on experiments?
1: Yeah, so in geology in the fall, we we do, the, the whole course is sort of divided up into different units. And when we get to the glacial soil unit, there's basically all these various walks that I can take the students on and we can learn about the impact that the glaciers had on the soil and the agriculture. And uh, I think my favorite part is when I take the students to the edge of the river and then I pretty much know how to traverse the log across the river, but there are so many kids that have never frolicked in nature before. They have no idea how to get across this river without breaking an arm or a leg or And I kind of leave it on them. I mean, I'm not gonna (laughs) let anybody get hurt, but it's fun to watch them get to the edge of the river. And they're like, I don't know how to do this. And (laughs) I really don't say much. I just let them sort of look at each other and cooperate and find sticks. And that's probably my favorite part. And uh, I don't really stay on the trail. So every walk we do, Is not on a trail at least for a good portion of it because I want to do something different every time we go out and see something different and it's all staggered like we never go down the same path twice yeah
0: Hmm. interesting yeah
1: I mean I could so if you want to talk about stuff that I've seen along the trail man I, I have seen we saved an owl once so walking along, uh, we we just stumbled again, not on a trail, and the class just stumbled onto this great horned owl sitting in the forest on the forest floor, and it was this was my number one moment uh, in nature with all the students. As I put my arm down and the owl climbed onto my arm with 30 kids around me and everybody <laughs> looked at me like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And So just, I mean, if you've ever seen owl eyes, they're giant and they're yellow and they just pierce into your soul, right? That's I good know. to know. <laughs> they do. They know you've been naughty or nice for sure. Okay, they don't they look
0: have... into an owl's eyes. They don't need to know what's gone on before. <laughs> oh,
1: that's true. So, yeah, that was my number one. My number two was we stumbled onto a an owl nest and so there was a tree that had a giant cavity in it and this was probably 12 years ago and I'm like hey guys let's take a look in this sort of Winnie the Pooh looking hole in the side of the trees <laughs> and uh, I lifted the students up and there was a nest with little owlets in it and it just blew my mind away. wow like just That's to cool. see, yeah <laughs> we've seen eagles and, and osprey and things um, we also two years ago a hunter had just freshly killed a deer and gutted it along the pathway that we were going along so i think it was like first hour and in the fall you know the gut pile was still steaming and it was so neat because uh that was first hour and then we got to go through all the body parts right the liver and the intestines and the kidneys and and what all the parts are and what they do and so then we came back second hour and a little bit More of it was gone. And we came back third hour, and it was almost all gone. And that was the coyotes and the raccoons and whatnot eating a little bit more of it every day or every time we went out. Um, It was cool, though, because the liver is a very nutritious portion of the gut pile, and that was gone first. So the animals knew intrinsically what was more nutrient-rich relative to the other body parts. So... I don't know if that was overly gory, but <laughs> no, that, was, that was interesting. I yeah. All right, <laughs> now we need
0: to go into the story about how you did like a deer dissection in class.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's up there too. That's uh. So Mrs. Plunkey, about five years ago, was on her way to school with our kids, elementary school, and she hit a deer. And it was the last day of school. It was June, and AP Bio had already taken their final exams. And that point they would
0: have taken the A P test too, right? Yeah, they
1: had taken the test and, and we had an activity planned, but nothing like concrete. And she called me up and said, Hey, you know, I was on my way and the police are coming. They're gonna they won't euthanize the deer though, uh that I hit because the kids are in the car. So can you come and get the deer? And what what are we gonna do with this deer? And I said, Okay, well, uh, I got the a biology couple of minutes. Teacher brain starts going I hustled plus. over because I had I think I was on my prep hour, and I ran over there with the with my car. We swapped cars through the dead deer, and because it had expired by the time we got there, and it was raining hard. So when I initially thought this through, we would do this out in the woods. We would you know I would drive the truck back to the wood line, and we'd have plenty of space and open air, and it was raining really really hard. And uh, I didn't want to miss this opportunity. The kids that I had in the class were amazing at the time. And I said, okay, well, let's get a tarp. And uh, who's willing to help me drag this deer into the lab? So we we laid that's out an this. experience there. Oh, my God. It was good. Uh, imagine, yeah.
0: imagine you're a student. You just, like, walk into whatever class this was one day. And your teacher's just like, so, we've got a dead deer. Who <laughs> wants to yeah, help that's... drag it in? It's like, it
1: yeah. what? I feel like the smell of that deer had to have been, especially since it was raining outside. It was fresh. It was pretty good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It just yeah, smelled like it. blood. <laughs> if you know, like, like it, whenever you have, like, a roast beef, you know, like, if you're getting it ready to put in the crockpot. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what it smelled like. I'm about
0: to have roast beef for dinner tonight. You I think go. you've just ruined my appetite. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Polonky. Thank you very
1: much. Uh, it, was, it was crazy because it, it had been hit by a car, so uh, a lot of blood vessels internally had broken open and so when you open up the abdomen it's just a pool of, of blood so we had to kind of like dump all that out and sift through that and then um, uh, we found out that the uterus was full and so she was pregnant and so we got to talk about the reproductive tract and the, the, the fetuses that had expired and it was it was sad I mean it was a morbid moment but an opportunity for the students to see how all this works and uh, we talked about how uh, Doe when they are well-fed and, and they have a lot of nutrition they'll have twins and if they aren't well-fed They'll they will not have any or just have one. So it was great. I mean we got to uh, talk a lot of biology that day
0: yeah. You know Find a learning opportunity in every morbid moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we try. <laughs>
0: Gotta look on the bright side. There's always something new to learn.
1: <laughs> well, I, I certainly would have liked to be in that class. That's definitely something you know you don't get every day. Right? Oh, yeah, you don't get that in any other class. Yeah. That's a crazy experience. That actually was and and I don't know if Mr uh, Holly listens to this podcast, but we'll see. <laughs> it was it was that moment where, you know, I think it was Miss Boudreaux, one of my Students posted something to social media and mrs. Boudreaux thought it was amazing. She's like, oh my gosh Look what they're doing down there. This is a um, this is cool. And then Mr. Holly being relatively new and getting to know me and, and uh,
0: First uh, taste of well, what is to come. Yeah,
1: and so he he's like, oh my goodness That girl is holding a dead deer fetus And it just <laughs> looked like it could be taken the wrong way out <laughs> yeah, of context, yeah, you know definitely. and so uh, that was the, the very early on, uh, the warning said, uh, Mr. Holly t- said, "Hey, Tim, uh, next time don't ask, don't ask for forgiveness, ask for permission." <laughs> Have you ever gotten in trouble then for anything you've done, or just uh, you get a lot of warnings? No warnings. That was really the that only warning. It, yeah. That was it, and it was harmless. and you know yeah. I'm, I'm a rule follower in general. Yeah, I don't, I don't look to seek to break the rules <laughs> for certain okay so, so much to talk about I yeah mean, I, whatever. Okay.
0: so uh AP bio and like all your other ones they're very hands-on courses you know it's like you do a lot of labs you have to do a lot of things in person well for the last two years we've kind of been in you know a major global pandemic so it's kind of hard to always be in person so what was it like trying to teach some of these classes online
1: I mean, you can imagine. It's <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I feed off the students. I like being in person. And uh, I, I just, th- I suppose there's a time and a place for virtual education in an emergency or with certain individual circumstances. Uh, but we we learn better when we're together. Eye contact and social awareness and body language. And these are all things that really make us great people as we mature and go on to our, do whatever it is that we're going to do in our lives. And so I really miss that aspect of it. Now, the teaching aspect, I mean, you can cram a bunch of information in. I will say that my students, uh, definitely, if you were to compare their performances in person versus totally virtual, um, yeah, it was, they they did not do as well. Oh, yeah. I just... know mine took a hit last year doing
0: online classes. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that goes for most of the school. Can agree on that
1: part. Yeah.
0: Oh, now I'm just trying to imagine like the genetics unit and like the genetics test online, because that was already a pain in person.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought that oh, up boy. because when we we went through that unit, I was so happy to be in person teaching that because the reading body language of eyes and confusion and. We're one step away. Uh, we got to get rid of these masks at some point, and then you can really see the I confusion. I mean, a couple weeks. There. I know, I know. <laughs> they said February 28th, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, 28th. Uh, so there's only so much a teacher can read from the eyes, but there's body language and frustration you can see in kids' faces too, but um, I'm really looking forward to being able to see the smiles again, uh, or frowns, <laughs> or, <the laughs> or anxiety, whatever what it is, is. whatever, this? Whatever beauty is underneath there, I can't wait to see it.
0: Oh boy, And then going on with the pandemic, so as a biology teacher, you know more than like the average person about diseases, viruses, you know, how all of that works. So just what's it like, like watching, you know, everything that's happening, you know, all the responses that people are going like have been taking as someone with a bit more expertise in the field? Well, not... Expertise, but
1: you know. get the gist. Yeah, I do. You know, a, a frustration I have. This is a just a general frustration: is our society in America in general is so polarized. And, and we're not going to really get into politics, but <laughs> oh, please, what it would, you,
0: you should hear me. In oh, yeah. well, oh, boy, oh, he'll get started. Well, what I
1: what I just would like is, you know, a politician has a very hard place to be. They're in a very hard position they have to balance what scientists know and understand with what is practical. And it's kind of like anybody who's in the middle, if you're a manager of any kind, you have to make real life decisions about things that we know to be true, maybe scientifically, and what are practical in application. So my biggest frustration, to your point originally, was um, a, we have saw over the last, let's say two years, um, people dogging scientists, you know, Dr. Fauci and, you know, he's been mocked as, you know, Dr. Death and let's focus on how many deaths and things, you know, there, there's something that what Dr. Fauci is obligated to do is save every human life, right? Like that's what he is responsible so for. basically
0: any doctor is responsible for yeah. trying to save as many lives he's as they He's a scientist
1: can. and he's a physician and that's what he's obligated to do. Now, if you're a politician you you have to balance the benefit of society like short term and long term and and my greatest frustration is the fact that we couldn't at least reconcile that facts are facts and science is science but there has to be a balance of whatever it is masks you know like how effective are masks and uh will we utilize them in the future so for example masks clinically when you uh, look at their efficacy and how they work whether it's a, a N95 or the the crappy masks we're wearing here today <laughs> i mean in a clinical setting it's practical it works right the filtration of the respiratory droplets and the viruses they contain is effective but really in application uh, all these kids they go to school and then they take those masks off and jump in jumping cars together that that's a public health scenario right like Mm -hmm. so um, I don't know we have a lot of data to filter through to determine whether or not the masking uh, was effective and think about from a scientific perspective you have you have brother and sister counties one that was masked and one that was not with similar rates of infection I would imagine you're going to be able to distill some really interesting hypotheses and then answers to those questions. So I'm looking forward to how we prepare for the next pandemic. There's going to be mutations. What are we going to do differently next time? And mm-hmm. in class we've been talking about like Ebola is not going to be the next big pandemic because it you Goes need blood. direct Yeah, you need direct contact, right? Vers- mm-hmm. versus respiratory diseases, tuberculosis and other SARS and COVID vi- viruses it's a respiratory virus so what are we going to do to prepare for that next whatever it is because there, there will be a next something we're you know approaching seven seven and a half billion people and the transmission of disease is only more certain with every billion we add
0: yes, i think we're actually getting closer to eight billion these days oh, whatever Just then. keeps going keeps going keeps going yeah. right there is no stopping yeah <laughs> oh but yeah no i, I get what you're saying because uh even with something like vaccines have been like such a polarizing issue uh, for some reason I cannot figure out.
1: Well, I think, I think the polarizing issue is the mandate. And and there is, there's legitimacy to the concern that there is that a mandate is not constitutional. And, And I'm, uh, again, I'm going to avoid that, but AP government
0: with Mr. here. But my frustration
1: <laughs> is beyond that. Is you know even if the vaccine is only ten percent effective, that's better I, than zero, right? That's my concern. Is that you know, in in the 1960s, scientists used to save us from nuclear annihilation, right? Like we had to have the biggest nuclear missile otherwise the russians were going to invade us right scientists and physicians were held on a pedestal and culture has changed everybody kind of is now developing their own personal truth and that's of course the advent of information age and i don't know i just i I wish people would were willing to kind of uh to do what they could do even if it's a small part to help prevent the transmission of the virus um yeah, uh, uh, the vaccine debate, I, I, I feel like it. There's, there's validity into the concern that somebody should not be making somebody put something into their body. Um, but then there's a lot of nuances to that, right? When we travel to third world countries, we're mandated to get certain vaccinations to be able to travel to those countries. But um, again, there's a lot of details there, and I'm, that's beyond the scope of our conversation. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure so. enough anybody else have anything they want to
1: add um i mean yeah it's like what you're saying you know it's it's important that we focus on facts you know because obviously we can all debate about things you know we don't want to get into any details of any debate but you know it's important to just know what is true and what is not
0: you know i think that's kind of important for us as like members of you know a really big like media class It's like he was talking about the information age how like people can get basically any info true or not on the internet and just like so fast
1: yeah, it's easy. do as whatever they want something.
0: with it to prop up whatever ideas they have whether they're you know completely factual or 100% bupkis. Yeah, some, some <laughs> people some people just believe everything they read online really welcome that's to facebook a, that's a quote <laughs> what a place <laughs> you know i just think it's like an important thing to look at is that like you can get basically anything, you know, at your fingertips. You know, it's no longer like you have to go to specific sources, but I mean, still, you need to look like specific sources and like how valid they are, because there's always going to be those who are just, you know, spewing, you know, garbage just for the sakes of getting clicks, <laughs> getting, you know, whatever, bupkis they want, you know, out there into the mainstream without, you know, any care for if it's right or not.
1: Right. My uh, wife's grandfather had a saying. It was, liars can figure, but figures don't lie. And uh, so the translation of what statistics mean and how they can apply to the world is something that is uh, is a slippery slope. And if you're not informed, that's why, you know, there's a lot of podcasts. Uh, one of my favorites is Freakonomics, and they do a really good uh, segment on um, math, math in, in education. and education. Everyone's favorite well in the 1960s we really prioritized a calculus and and algebra based progression and that was because we were trying to promote engineers again nuclear annihilation how do we prevent uh the next nuclear weapon from being created and how do we we needed engineers right that's what we needed Um, but now we're realizing that statistics and you're learning that in ap bio um, statistics is really very, very important and probability. And from the perspective of being a consumer of news and information, understanding how statistics are interpreted and applied can help you better understand or filter out what you're hearing. So,
0: hey, thank you for coming on with us today, Mr. Plunky. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a treat. Yeah, it
1: was a fun conversation. So Indeed, it was. Had there. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, uh, anytime. So, anytime. Everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was fun to make finally after having to reschedule it twice. Snow days? Snow days, yeah. Snow days well, snow day and a certain event that I don't think we should talk about. Yep.
1: Uh, Unfortunately. on a podcast. Here we are. So yeah.
0: Uh, thank you for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode. See ya.